0: Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. And welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have an amazing episode of a student who had 18 acceptances. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I don't care who you are, how amazing your stats are, how amazing your story is, 18 acceptances is incredible. And we're going to hear how Sam did that in a short second. Before we jump in though, I want to talk about the MCAT minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. Did you know they have amazing free resources? One of the reasons I love Blueprint, well number one, is because you tell me that you love them. And number two, because they believe in free stuff like me. So if you go over to BlueprintMCAT.com and sign up for their free account, you'll get access to a half-length diagnostic, a free full-length exam, their amazing study planner tool, and much more. Go check it out. Again, BlueprintMCAT.com. Let's go and jump in. Say hello to Sam. Sam, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much, Ryan. It's great to be here. It It is amazing to talk to you. My favorite question, the one that I always lead with, is when did you first have the inkling that you were inkling that you wanted to be a physician? Uh, okay. So this is about the 20th time I think I've had an <laughs> answer. But I
1: do think I'll kind of give a different iteration every time. Yeah. The first inkling of I don't I feel like I didn't have just like um like an epiphany one day. For me, I think it was like gradual. Mm-hmm. I knew I think from some childhood experiences. Uh, especially like I'm a Nigerian American. So the ability to go to Nigeria, I think exposed me to just uh, what's it like to, I think witness a lot of like injustice or disparities or just seeing people, I think facing some harsh conditions. Mm -hmm. And so I think that set me on the path to help people. Mm -hmm. But I think it wasn't until I was probably a sophomore in college and had the chance to go shadow uh, actually a PA. But then I started to actually witness what some of the physicians were doing while I was on that uh, shadowing experience where I thought to myself, you know, maybe I'd actually want to be a physician for yeah. the first moment when I was a sophomore. Until then, I never really saw a black male physician. So I didn't think it was something that someone like me could do.
0: Yeah, it's it's I hear that so often from underrepresented students is like I, I never saw someone in that right. position. Therefore, I never thought about it for myself. And then, whether on social media, one of the great things about social media is you you can oh, yeah. see these little pockets of of physicians out there who who have so much diversity, and you're like, oh, I, I can yeah. right? I, I'm a black man. I can do this. I wear a hijab. I can do this. I whatever um, that pocket is that that diversity that you're bringing that you're like, I don't see that. So that's that's huge. Talk about that Definitely. connection between what you saw in Nigeria connecting that to healthcare because that's always one of the biggest challenges of like oh i saw people in need right therefore i want to be a doctor right well why yeah. not go do policy or go join <laughs> oh, yeah. an ngo T- talk about that connection yeah
1: i would say you uh, know in um think about like uh, my parents migrated uh, to the u.s in like the late 80s early 90s and but my dad has always been adamant about us, you know, going back to Nigeria. We were all born here. Me and my siblings were born in North Carolina, but my dad was adamant about us going to Nigeria every few years. And I recall uh, when I was around ten, turning eleven, we went to Nigeria uh, during that Christmas break. And um, I wouldn't say it was just like just witnessing disparities itself, but there's a particular moment with my brother. Uh, He struggled a lot with his asthma when we were younger Mm. and just due to the pollution and a lot of dust, it's a lot of walking, especially we stay in the rural part of Nigeria on the Southeast. We're walking to my uncle's compound and my brother has uh, like his asthma uh, starts to uh, start to act up and he had a triggered an asthma attack eventually. And Mm -hmm. so he's like, uh, he's like really kind of panicking. He's struggling to breathe. And I'm just kind of observing him. Uh, He's about three years older than me. So I'm still like his younger brother but I'm just like observing him just struggling and kind of seeing my crying. And I think in that moment, I just realized that I knew I wanted to help people in need. And so in that moment, I try to recall things I knew about asthma attacks, like, okay, give water, trying to help him coach him through breathing and uh, trying to walk back. Cause we have to turn around and walk. There's no ambulance and within like three hours and can't call anybody. You're on your own. So I think that whole experience in- Luckily, everything was okay. We got his uh, his inhaler from the room when we walked back about a mile and a half. But I think that experience really sparked an interest in intercepting and intervening when there's someone in pain. Mm -hmm. But that didn't transpire into medicine until down the road. I just knew that from then on, I wanted to help people in pain. And I just kept, I think, uh, just kept looking into sciences. Um, I was always kind of interested in that. And yeah, I think it's a bit stereotypical, like immigrant parents are going to do something in science. But my parents weren't the type to be like, "Oh, go we'll be a doctor." Yeah, I told them I didn't want to be one when I was younger, like, and they were—they were, they were like, "That's fine." Yeah, because I said I'd be an engineer, so that still checks off the list somewhere. <laughs> but eventually, I decided, like, I don't think I really want to be an engineer when I got to school. Mm. But I started to explore like nursing and PA professions. I was shadowing PAs and nurses, and then a couple of physicians as well. And this just kept volunteering, and eventually, I think I found an interest in long-term care terminal knowledge that comes with being a physician. And I think the leadership like across the globe, that's what really sold me as well. Yeah. And then decided to start throwing myself in the hat. Um, but it really didn't stop there either. Like I took two gap years. So I didn't just decide I'm gonna go straight to med school. I, okay. I had some exploring to do.
0: Okay. So sophomore year, you you start to shadow PA, see some physicians doing some things. When you were making the decision to go to college what were you thinking about at that point? Were, were you like, yeah, I'm kind of interested in healthcare stuff, so I'm going to go be a biology major, or were you, like, what did that look like? What did that process look like?
1: Yeah, my journey's never straightforward. I feel like I always <laughs> look for the hardest path. Um, I don't know why. Maybe that's the way my brain is wired, but I initially thought I was going to be an engineer because I like calculus in high school, and, you know, you graduate, get an engineering job, you make money. That's what I thought. Yeah. So I said, okay. And I got into NC State and that was a school I was certain I was going to go to NC State 15 minutes from my house. And then uh, UNC Chapel Hill, go Heels uh, <laughs> 2021. Uh, they, I got an acceptance there and all my fr- a couple of my friends were going, but I said, I'm not going here. I already, already picked my school. It's a great engineering school. Why would I come to Carolina? Mm-hmm. And I visited and I just had such a good time. I decided I'm going to go here for undergrad and I still, they have like a bioengineering major. They still do, and it's great. And I figured I'd do that. But I think, um, that was my mentality. I wasn't thinking about healthcare. However, I did think if I change my career decision, I figured this is the place to do it. It's mm-hmm. a great school. They have a huge hospital up next door. If I change it, it's probably going to be here. I thought I'd be interested in healthcare in some way, but not as a provider, more like an ancillary position. Um, but again, got
0: out of the plans here we are now, right here so you are. here you are yeah. <laughs> what well, what was that transition like for you 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 have this mindset of just going exploring and having one idea and then Ooh. sophomore year going, uh oh like <laughs> i I am gonna go down this other path right.
1: how how right. did you
0: start collecting information and the knowledge necessary because as as you now know, having gone through the application process, there's a lot to do,
1: yeah, there's so much. I mean, I think, I don't know, I'll probably write this down in a book one day, but I feel like it was so hard for me to actually, like, um, kind of, I think, voice my thoughts, because there's so many opinions and ideas. And I feel like I was also trying to understand what I wanted and what my academic and professional goals were. But eventually, I just kind of thought, you know what, I'm just a freshman or a sophomore. It's okay. Um, I think my hardest part was, I think, accepting that I wanted to pursue this profession, because it's just so competitive. And I felt like there was kids in my biology class who like they knew from the day they were born, they were destined to be a doctor. And I just thought, okay, that's not me. So maybe I shouldn't be pursuing this. And my grades also said otherwise, like maybe not medicine, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Cause it seemed like there were students who were like, you know, I breathe, I le- live and breathe bio. That's all I want to do all day. And I said, if that's being a doctor, then it's not made out for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I didn't even feel like I fit in, but something just, I think, Always just told me just, you know, keep the classes, keep exploring. So I just knew that's something I could do. If I don't know if I want to be a doctor just yet, I don't know what I want to do. After my first uh, calculus class, I knew I didn't want to be an engineer. (laughs) And I figured, okay, now, like, we're just at a school that's focused on health. Maybe I explore that. So I just started reaching out to people who are in different businesses, Mm. some doctors who are in our network, professors, just people I knew who were doing things, asking, can I take 15 minutes of your time to just talk to you about what you do? And I feel like that's a skill that I had to learn. And I wish more students knew about it. It's like you're in college, you have a huge network, just reach out to people. They're dying to talk to you. And then, you know, you have a chance to shadow if you're close by or interview. And so I just kept doing that while figuring out what I wanted to do. And then I went and decided to do a a shadowing uh, program over the summer. And that's what I think really solidified it for me.
0: Awesome. You you mentioned kind of at the beginning of that, you you talked about lots of opinions and ideas. I'm assuming those opinions and ideas were other people telling you things. Were those family members? Were those professors, advisors? And, And how much of those kind of ideas and opinions do you think were based on your your current gpa at the time because you said you Mm. you you potentially struggled a little bit and and maybe potentially who who you are what you look like
1: yeah yeah well that's a great question wow it's like i'm back in the interview um (laughs) i would say yeah i think a lot of those opinions i mean some of them are my own biases and some of my own i think just like negative ideas um because at the end of the day, I think there's a lot of stigma surrounding medicine and um, the profession itself, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will—I believe you will find it everywhere, not just in medicine, which I think is something that pre-meds tend to forget. Yeah. But yeah. i found that um, a lot of opinions were like, you know, it's, especially at a school like that I went to, it's a great institution, but it can be very competitive. And a lot of students just feel the pressure to be perfectionists. And so it just kind of felt like if you're not perfect, if you're not getting A's, at least... You know why bother you know uh, like these are tops st- the stellar students and you know i think the craziest thing i feel like students think that if there's gonna be one position left in the school it's gonna be you and that person in this bio class they're yeah. gonna like that's if it's not thousands of people around the world applying for that same spot but yeah. it's you who's gonna which is crazy but i think just that idea i think sometimes the attitudes around uh like just that academic culture Um, And again, I just I just I guess I didn't really see it. So I just didn't really think that much about it. Like as a serious profession, I just thought maybe one day, that's just the way I saw it. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't say anyone like doubted me. um, Because again, I don't think I ever really, at that point, I wasn't really pursuing it seriously. But I would say there was a lot of people who um, just thought the profession was too long, like the training process. Um and I would say that's more like friends uh who because none of my friends are doing medicine. They were smart enough to go do business or law, <laughs> you know. They 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 left they jumped ship early. Um I
0: ran kind of into it. So <laughs> like like um, a, a buffalo. Do you know the story of the buffalo? Yeah. I don't know the story <sighs> of the buffalo. So so there's uh this the story of the buffalo here in the plains, right? The the Midwest okay. plains. Buffalo, right? Big, big mm-hmm. cows, big buffalo. Um, when a storm comes and, and the storm is going east to west, they, uh, no, west to east, they run west. They run into the storm into the because stream. they understand that they're going to get through the storm faster, <laughs> whereas the dumb cows just kind of walk east. And they're like, I'm going to run, mm. I'm going to outrun it. And they're yeah, just yeah. in it longer. <laughs> so headstrong, right so into we- it. I
1: don't know which one I would be then as the pre med. <laughs> it doesn't end. So,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But no, I, I, that's funny. That's actually really funny. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that was, I guess, that was just my mentality. I knew that if I was going to take this seriously, um, I'm going to face a lot of like, you know, pushback either. Honestly, it wasn't as external, I think, as it was internal. It was really hard for me to convince myself to like have the faith in myself to take the classes even after maybe struggling. Why? Um, I think because um, I I think for most people, especially me taking college level science classes was not like taking them in high school, Um, especially the intro classes like chem, I was getting like C's. My study habits weren't good and I just knew it was going to get harder. So
0: you had a track record of, of not performing up to a standard that you thought you had to meet. Right. And yet you're still going, well, I want to be a doctor. And so you have that internal doubt going, but I haven't, I haven't done it so how how do you yeah. how did you change that how did you start to figure out because you're sitting at this side with yeah. acceptances so obviously you did something to prove to the medical yeah. schools you're going to be okay so what was that process like reforming yeah, I, your study habits and grades and stuff
1: yeah i definitely think i credit my my parents especially my mom like for her she, the way she just would say things it'd be so simple it'd be i would take very complex ideas and all these because like, oh my gpa and I don't have the money for this and I can't do this. And I'm already a sophomore on this and all these things. And her perspective would be, you know, I think just also kind of that, just, I think um, coming from a developing country as an immigrant for her, it just seemed a lot simpler. The decisions I had to make mm-hmm. here, especially because there's, she decided to see more opportunity. Yeah. And so for her, I think she would just, the way she would describe things as well as my dad would be like, you know, worst case scenario, you go all out, you go for what your, you know, your ultimate goal is. You turn 25, it doesn't work out. You come home, we have a kumbaya intervention and we figure out the next step. She said, that's the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. If things don't go right by the time you turn 25. yeah. And so she said that, I was like, you know what, you're right. Like, you know, if I'm 20 years old, let me just pursue what my main goals are. Um, And I think for me, that's when I decided, I think around like those conversations with my parents to give myself the grace to just explore. I said, okay, if you're not ready to commit 100% then go explore how you was supposed to find out. And so even though I wasn't doing well in chem, uh, I was terrified of taking the rest of the classes like physics and Argo. And everybody told me, don't take it here. And, you know, don't don't, don't come, come this way. It's not worth it. <laughs> I decided, you know what? Let me just go find out for myself. Because yeah. I just realized that there are people who are still doing this, right? So there must be a reason. Yeah. And so I knew like, I think the shadowing, the shadowing, volunteering, and just conversations with real doctors, that reminded me that like the exams will pass, Mm -hmm. the classes won't last forever. Um, Eventually, this is what I'm really pursuing, not simply bio and chem. However, I do need this knowledge and I should uh, prepare myself mentally for it. So um, I think it's the pivotal moment in my academic journey and the way I looked at medicine was I did this program called the Institute for Responsible Citizenship in the summer of 2019. And it's a program for African-American males to pretty much it's like 20 of us across the country. Um, And we had the opportunity to do an internship um, in DC for me, I shadowed at Howard university hospital. Mm -hmm. And from there, I mean, from the security guards to the nurses, to the doctors, the cert, everybody was a person of color. A lot of people I saw, and it was just for me so encouraging to think every day I was seeing people that look like me, you know, do knee arthroplasties and all these things. And for me, I think going back to campus after that summer I knew I could see like 10 years into the future that someone like me can do this. And so then I was like, okay, physics, bring it on orgo, bring it on. We're going to, yeah. you know, we're going to take it on. Um, and I wish I was that simple. And then from then on, I got straight A's, but that wasn't the case. Either. Like, you know, I, 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 it, it was better academically. I was more motivated, but I still had to learn some of the tools. Mm. Um, and so I had to start making some changes. Cause I remember the first exam I took after that summer was for physics. First exam I got was a D
0: and I was like, man, this summer was for nothing. You know, like <laughs> i was still not doing well. Like yeah. I was like, oh, so, so I'm how still- do you, how do you recover from that? Because there are lots of students who will get that grade yeah. and either go to an advisor uh, or, or internally go, right. This isn't for That's me. I, I have to do right. something else. Exactly. And for me at this point,
1: this was like my, I mean, b- fortunately bio, I always did okay. So I wasn't, and I was pretty good at anatomy, thankfully. Um, but Kim. Me and chemistry were just we were just not friends um, in the early years of college. And the physics, I thought, here we go again. Like first grade in physics was a D. Everybody told me not to take it, and I thought all that motivation I had from this summer, I was like, what's the point? I'm not doing well academically. But the first grade I get, um, actually, I went to my physics professor's office, and he, I told him I just wanted to see my grade for the exam. He was like, I can show you right now, and I don't remember what it was. Maybe like a 37 out of 50 or whatever. 33. It was a D. Yeah. And he was just like, oh, that's not, that's not too bad. I don't know. And I didn't know if he was comparing that to like the class. I think the class was struggling or I didn't know if he just didn't like, I guess he wanted to like pat, push in the fall, like not necessarily like hurt my feelings, but I was just like, you know, I, I can't, I was like, I can't go out like this. I just said, that's not acceptable to me. Mm. And I knew that I saw, and I thank God for that revelation. That I was able to see what my future could be like. And I think being able to see like patients, see physicians, That, for me, was some type of tangible reminder that, okay, you just got to get through this. So so for me, I decided to just keep going.
0: Yeah, I I love that because it's completely opposite of what most people think they need to do. Most students will go, I'm not doing well academically Therefore, I should cut off all of my extracurricular activities oh, no. That's and focus <laughs> full time on my classes. No. And, then, and then they get completely burnt out on their classes. And I'm like, no, like you have to yeah. keep maintaining your why. You have right. to keep picturing yeah. why you're going through these struggles right. and to stop. understand it. And, and it's, it's the same for MCAT prep. Students are like, well, oh. we'll completely clear their schedule for MCAT <laughs> prep. They get completely burnt out. I'm like... When's the last time you volunteered in a hospital? When's the last time you put yourself around patients? When's the last time you shadowed? And they're like, six months ago. I'm like, go, go, do it. And and they don't realize that their effectiveness in studying, whether it's for the MCAT or for classes, goes down and down and down and down. and, And they're just sitting there holding on as tight as they can, gritting their teeth. And I'm like, go volunteer, go shadow, go have dinner with a friend. And then when you come back to studying, yes, technically you will have less time that you have studied, but your effectiveness goes up. Therefore you're doing better. And they, they, it's really hard for humans to understand that.
1: Right. Exactly. And I'm, I'm grateful for me. I've always been a hands-on person. So for me, while figuring out the academic portion, I never stopped just being, I think the inquisitive person I've always been. So for me, I'm asking questions. I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go see it. I need to see it. So for me, I would, you know, try to, I started taking an EMT course to train that fall um, on top of classes. Because for me, it was always about just like tangible reminders. That's how I always reminded myself to like, hey, you know, you like this, you know, you want to do it. You shadowed, you have some, men- I started connecting to mentors. It was just like a huge switch that summer where I just started to see when you can start to see what you could be. Yeah. The classes doesn't seem as difficult that that exam doesn't seem as bad. And I'm just thinking like, I think maybe that's maybe some of the issues with younger students is because your world is these like, you know, these three buildings where you take bio and your dorm, (laughs) that's your world. Yeah. But until maybe you go and get some experience, like go out into the city, volunteer somewhere, go have some fun with your friends, go shadow or work somewhere. I think that gave me perspective to realize this is just step one. Yeah. And I'll, I'll have to get through this. So I just started going to like professors office, office hours, actually go instead of always avoiding it actually ask for help, st- stop waiting to the last minute to study. And those small things just helped me like, okay, I got it. And then I, my next exam, I was taking it. And literally as I'm walking in, this student, same class, another student's like, oh man, this exam's the hardest. Why even try? And I was just like, you know, I was just like, nah, I'm not listening to nobody else who speaks like that. Because again, that's the culture a lot of times. Yep. And my first exam was a D. So I just like, I can't come in with that mentality. Um, and as soon as we finished the exam... I finished a little early. So I was like, okay, maybe I skipped something, you know, but as I'm walking out, the same person comes up to me like, yeah, probably got like a, a bad grade on it. And I just ran away from that guy. I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, I can't, I can't listen to you, man. Lovely. I was like, no, I'm, I'm in the zone. And I got my second grade back on that exam. It was a 95. And I was like, there we go. <laughs> I said, and I knew, I, I think from then on, I knew it was a lot about your habits. And then secondly, mindset, mindset. definitely mindset. Yeah. Cause
0: do you know that? The... They, do, do you know the there, there's some data around if you tell students this is the hardest test they they embody that and they do worse if you tell students the same exact test if you tell students oh this is one of the easiest tests they embody that and they do well right it's it's such mm-hmm. a mind game and so yeah. I I struggle with that knowing some of that data and then understanding that the mcat when we look at race based test scores we go mm-hmm. hey black students score much worse on this test than white students mm-hmm. should we keep repeating that or does yeah. that put into your mind as a black student that you're gonna do worse right do, yeah. do, do you play into that and i'm like oh, do i say that do mm-hmm. i not say that like there's data there's facts but yeah. is are, are we feeding into that data right it's, it's hard yeah. Yeah, That
1: is difficult. I think like, especially like language. I mean, I think it's a huge conversation now, right? Language, mindset. Um, and I think like, are we like data is data, but also like, you know, data is a tool, right? It mm-hmm. can also be manipulated like any other device or any other tool. Um, it can also, it can be a gift. It can also be a weapon. So I think that's, I mean, it's very interesting. I, I didn't really think about that with the MK in particular, but I have heard about like students embodying, um, like I guess the way exams are described, mm-hmm. I think languages, and I think that's why a huge part of medicine now we're trying to change the language ab- around what does a doctor look like. We're trying to change that language, um, especially during COVID. I started seeing doctors who are DJing on the side, <laughs> playing ball. I-, I-, I thought becoming a doctor, I was like, oh, you can have a life, you know. I yeah. I started to realize that I think going into my junior year, as I'm making some of these sh- like mindset changes. Which was the huge biggest change for me, more than even academic, was just mindset, the way I looked at myself, the way I looked at this journey. And that for me was seeing that like being a physician was not gonna like pigeonhole me into one idea. Like you have to be a person who practices medicine. You're not a doctor who tries to be a person. You yeah. Know? I think a lot of times pre meds, we abandon our personalities because we think we think only thing our all we can offer is our like academic achievements. Yeah. When in reality, you know, you're treating patients who are people. Of course. You want to talk to another person. Um, That's huge. But this is crazy, I think, kind of sometimes, like, just the way we think. Um, I think because of the stigma and the stereotypes and maybe, you know, just all the things you kind of thought a doctor was, uh, when in reality, I think this process, especially the MCAT application process, interviews, um, they really, I think kind of peel back to understand who you are as an individual mm-hmm. and ideally you know you didn't spend five years just developing your resume but not developing your character because yeah. i think that's really yeah. going to carry you through medical school residency etc not yeah. the not the 4.0 you got in college exactly
0: well even mm-hmm. if you think about the language right you mentioned language resident physician it Back in the day, you lived at the hospital, basically. Like oh, yeah. You, you yeah. were there. Th- this is pre-internet days, pre-iPhone days, where we all have supercomputers in our pockets, basically. And you had to, on some level, live and breathe medicine to understand medicine because we didn't have the resources at our fingertips like right. we do today. And so, in, in some respects, I understand why the culture was what it was. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the more old crusty white guys retire, we will change that culture to go, hey, like we don't have to live and breathe medicine. Yes, it's super important. We have to know as much as possible for our patients and take care of them the best of our ability. And as you mentioned we can be individuals and have our um have our own personalities and likes and interests right the whole uh, bikini med or med bikini uh, thing i don't <laughs> know if you saw that of like this study that came out about how professional it is for for female physicians to wear bikinis or just physicians in general to wear bikinis. And it's just like, really, that's, that's what we're going towards. Um, I I follow a TikTok physician who dances at raves and like her whole channel is basically just her dancing at raves. And it's so fun. And she's just so alive. And I'm like, and she's a physician or a med student. I think she's a med student. Uh, And, and that's amazing. Great. I love it. So I think that's so important. I want to, come back to the representation for a little bit mm-hmm. because you mentioned having an internship at Howard, right? Howard, yep. obviously a house built for black people, people of color, right? Mm-hmm. And and so you're surrounded by physicians and, and staff and, and everyone for the most part, not, not every single person, right. I, I interviewed at Howard for, um, for internship. Um, and so not everyone is a person of color, but the far, far, far majority, unlike, unlike the rest of the Mm world, or or at least the rest of the U S the, you, you come back to school Mm -hmm. and it's flipped. Do you purposefully try to go and find that physician person of color to continue that representation in your mind? Or do you think that exposure was enough for you to realize I can do it and therefore this white physician that I'm shadowing, they don't have to be black, but I still understand that I can be a black person in that same role. What does that look I would, like?
1: Yeah, I would say, I think a mix of both. Um, I, fortunately, I've had, I had a few black mentors before that Howard experience mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I seek mentors, not even just in medicine, just in life, like just, just guidance, um, some in business, some in, uh, like, uh, spiritual advisors, some just like guys I know from, like just from around. And of course the physicians who I've got to meet, um, I think I still connect with them even to this, like, to this day, still several physicians and mentors I connect with. Um, and I think, yes, I do also, I think when I came back, I did seek out more, I also got more involved with uh, like minority medicine organization. I uh, became president of that mm-hmm. coming back um, because, again, like I'm just more focused now. Yeah. But um, I think, yeah, I definitely was more intentional with seeking out mentors that look like me because it was so pivotal for me, that experience. And it's something I encourage anybody um, and not even just say just like race or ethnic, just any interest or unique identity. I think you have seek people who think and affirm that, like, you can be your true self in medicine. So I needed that. And I kept pursuing that. I wanted to stoke that flame. But at the same time, I was just seeking out mentors who I think were of specialties or just backgrounds that were interesting to me, uh, whether they're black, white, uh, male, female, et cetera. Just, yeah. yeah. I think I just continued to seek mentorship everywhere I could because there was just so much advice, knowledge, and perspective. I think the biggest thing was perspective. Mm-hmm. I think as stressful as it was sometimes to be a pre-med, um, perspective, I think, would always help me kind of calm down and realize, you know what, that, that C is not going to change your life, you know, or that... You know, that application, just go ahead and put it in. You know, a lot of times perspective would, I think, kind of just um, help me focus again, relax, and then just go in for it. um, Because the thing is, you know, when you're this young, you think everything you do is going to change your life. Yeah. Like, oh, if I don't go here, I can't become a (laughs) surgeon. And if I don't have this much money, my life isn't good enough. Uh, All these different things. And I think that's why you need counsel, people to help advise you.
0: Yeah. So obviously you are through the application cycle now or, or on the tail end of it. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> thank God. <we're> <laughs> thank the Lord. Uh, what was the hardest part about that process for you? Every day.
1: <laughs> oh no, no seriously. Oh. Uh, I, man, I don't know where to even start. Cause again, my journey, everyone has a unique journey, which I think was the funnest part about meeting people on this journey. Like everybody, I was interviewing with moms, like you had on, the, on the second kid, and I mean, I saw kids during interviews, like the babies, someone's holding their baby during the virtual interview, It was like that. It was very cool. People who like travel the world. Um, this, yeah, it was very interesting. I think for me, the hardest moment I probably had was October 2021. So this is actually the October before my application cycle, but it was right before I started studying for the MCAT, right before I started preparing my application. Uh, I was in this moment. I really started having a lot of second thoughts. Um, So I graduated from college in uh, spring of 2021, which I can't believe was almost two years ago. I'm wow. Can't believe it. Um, <laughs> but I graduated. Then I did like a summer free med program at UNC. Then in the fall, I knew I had to do a post back. I needed to get my grades up. But in that post back, I started a new clinical job to get experience. And I think I was just so stressed and overwhelmed. Really didn't take a break after college and just felt like, Man, is this really worth it? I just started having a lot of second get guess- started having a lot of second thoughts. Um, and I moved back home to be with my parents because um definitely cheaper. Um one of the best moves I made in between undergrad and med school. And I think but in that moment I was just having a lot of doubts and people would tell me how intimidating the next step is and you know the, only like this percent of people will even get into a med school, let alone how you're gonna pay for it, all these things like that. And I was just like, man, like I think it was just really getting to me mentally. I was just felt very discouraged and you're on your own. Now I'm not in college anymore, mm-hmm. but I think for me, um, that was probably the hardest moment. Yeah. And then I think part of the ap- actual application, I probably say time management because I was crazy enough to, you know, do grad school while I'm applying to med school. And then I have to work a job to pay for grad school and med school application. So the time management piece has been hard, but that October before starting was probably the hardest. Um, honestly, it was probably harder than the MCAT itself was just that getting mentally ready for it. Yeah. I found the MCAT once I felt mentally prepared, it's not easy by far. It's a difficult test, but I feel like all of the, uh, like stereotypes and people are saying, you're going to lock yourself in your room for 10 hours a day. Not at all. Like I was like, no, that just, I mean, maybe some people do it, but I do not find it's the healthiest way to do it. I actually felt my healthiest while studying from an MCAT. Wow. That's the healthiest I felt. That's good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So all of that work, right? Uh, all of your undergrad work, all of those second doubts, all of the struggles with classes, yeah. figuring out how to turn it around, doing your post back, taking the MCAT, you submit your applications, you submit your secondaries. Yeah. You get just first, crazy. You get your first interview invite.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was first that like? Uh, now what year is this? Um, <laughs> first, oh, okay. No, I remember my first one. That was probably like, Maybe three weeks after I submitted it, I think it was to a Texas school. Yeah, it was Texas. That was my first interview invite. I was excited. Yeah. I was like, okay, that means like I didn't turn in garbage. Like, <laughs> they just want to talk to me. And it was exciting too because it's, it's fun. Yeah, I think the thing is like, I didn't really check my emails too often, but during, in the application process, you're checking it like every couple hours, you know, so around that time, you're getting so many notifications. So I think that first interview invite was very exciting to think about sitting down. Uh, I wasn't super nervous because, in my opinion, I just felt like we turned in so much information. If they're interested, they're interested at this point. Yeah. Um, I also figured um, I think I've always been a decent conversationalist. And I just thought this is my time to tell my story. So I thought it was more fun than anything. Mm-hmm. And I just knew that if a school doesn't like my story and doesn't like how I talk, well, then they don't want me as a student, I wouldn't want to be there either. So I figured I'm only going to do the things I like. Yeah. And it was a great feeling, though. But I think the best feeling, of course, is getting that first acceptance. Yeah, yeah. that was, what that was that good. <laughs> I think the first acceptance, you know, I think when you get that email, like, you know, decision made or like, congratulations, you see the little header, it's just like, yes, I did it. I got in, like, you know, I got into med school, you know? And I think you feel like all those hours w- was worth it. Um, I think you also become very surreal, like, wow, like I've been accepted because mm-hmm. a very small proportion of people who can get in. And it's just getting more competitive, and um, thankfully there are more med schools opening, but not necessarily an, a larger number of residency spots. You know, so eh,
0: that's uh, de- that's debatable. <laughs> I have opinions oh, okay. on that. <laughs> okay, well, I right. love to
1: hear even off the podcast. I love to know. I love yeah. to get your perspective. But I think the ability to know that I'm on this journey to get in, um, it was just exciting to, I guess, be part of the club and to yeah. think I could really start, you know, changing. You really, I think it's life changing for you and your family. So of course. For me it was a big deal um, to get my first one family was so excited yeah and you Who, know you you tell first? About... i think first i told my parents like i you know i sat them down um i always try to surprise them with stuff like this <laughs> and i just always kind of pretend to be sad i'm like hey i got my first response and i don't think it's looking too good and then my parents are trying to come for me like you know you know you did your best and then i'm like you know i just flash it on the tv i'm like oh yeah and they sent this little letter it's <laughs> so like, congrats, you know, and is they're, they're hype. They're so hype, uh, excited for me. yeah. And that was the first one. Then a couple more rolled in and, you know, here we
0: are now. Yeah. To what, what does it look like at the end of the day? How, how many interview invites did you get? Again, uh, I really feel like it's been divine intervention. So I had a fee
1: waiver. So I was able to apply to okay. 20 schools for free, um, with the MCAS fee waiver. Yep. Um, so I applied to about 30 schools just because I was very much of the mindset. You never know. Yep. Just apply everywhere and so I did and fortunately I had like 20 interviews wow. um, so that was yeah and again I, I, and I really want to like shout out my mentors and I think some of the peers I reached out to who were med students they really helped me prepare for the, the writing portion like how do you tell a good story mm-hmm. and really think about like what is your life experiences that you want to share because I think a lot of pre-meds just go in talking about like oh I, I've done research and I, I want to be a doctor but like who are you that's what I've really found is what stands out. So that I think helped me get those interviews. And then the interviews, again, I just I just like to talk. If that's not <laughs> obvious, but now, and then I came out with eighteen acceptances. What? And a-
0: 18. I, eighteen.
1: I very thank, thank Nin- God. You have a ninety
0: percent hit rate.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what, what happened to those uh, other ten percent
0: of schools? Um, yeah, the other two, 10%, two yeah, schools. Yeah, I don't know.
1: They don't like quality people, I guess. They just, <laughs> no, 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 you, no. It's just them. you know, you just, hey, I don't know. But I was, again, I I wish I could explain, but like, yeah, it's just been crazy. It's been a wild ride. Yeah. Um, kind of so, feel like a movie sometimes. Like I'm just making up a story.
0: But yeah. so after that, it was just like- To me, that's stressful. You're sitting on, yeah. a- as we're recording this, uh, April 13th. Traf- traffic rule stuff is starting up yeah, where
1: yeah, you're gonna
0: you're gonna have to you're gonna have to narrow down your list yeah how like that's really hard 18 schools I'm sure you've probably pared yeah. down a little bit at this point how do you figure out where you're going like is it just yeah. who gives you the most money because I'm sure people are fighting over you
1: yeah <laughs> I wish I think initially that was the goal that, that was the plan like okay uh take the acceptances the like whoever offers you the least, just go ahead and cut them off. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's worked for most of the schools. Like some schools just haven't offered a lot of grants slash aid or scholarships. Um, but then some schools have been very generous. And I think, again, I think all the the post back work, if you're doing a special masters or getting experience, learning who you are, again, all the things I feel like pre-meds we sometimes forget how valuable that is more than just an MCAT, which is obviously important too. Mm -hmm. But I think all those things really put me in a position where I was fortunate enough to receive scholarships Yeah. because again, I took the time, like like if I try to go straight into undergrad, from undergrad, I was not prepared, but the gap year has really helped me prepare to apply successfully, where scholarships really made some of these schools competitive. I narrowed it down to probably my top five, but I haven't made my number one choice but I've been fortunate enough that like scholarships have also been offered, That's awesome. and then you know it's been it's been good from there. Like
0: uh, I'm really blessed. honestly. Yeah. So students are are gonna want to know. They they always ask. Well, what are your stats? Yeah. Hey, you want to share? I'll that? share my stats. Whatever. Yeah. I don't, I
1: don't share, I don't, stats. share my stats. Okay. I'll share my overall GPA. Overall GPA was a uh, three six. I was a health policy and management major. Um. Gilling School of Public Health. Shout out Gilling's great school if anyone wants to go to it. Yeah. Um, post uh, my, oh, oh, yeah, my science GPA. Oh, post back GPA or just my science GPA? Both. Okay, either. Whatever. Science GPA when I graduated was three, two, eight. Okay. So it wasn't like terrible, but it obviously wasn't competitive, So which is obvious. After my post back, I took, I don't know how many classes I took, maybe like eight courses, seven, eight. I don't know. Okay. But my GPA was a three, four, five. Science GPA was a three, four, five. So brought it up a bit. Um,
0: what what I was just that post back GPA? Were you like pretty close oh, to a 4.0? Just post back GPA was like 3.9. Yeah, that's, that's it, yeah. right? And that's I talk right. about it all the time. What's the story behind your number, right? Because if right. you just say yeah. 3.4, it's like, well, that's not really good. But yeah. then you go, well, my last 30-ish credits are 4.0, 3.9. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, got the it. Trend.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, the trend. Oh yeah, that trend, definitely. And I think when, when I graduated... And then kind of start getting, again, life experience, working a job, living life, taking the post back like at an undergrad again, undergrad campus just wasn't as bad anymore. I was like, oh, you know, it wasn't easy, but it just wasn't as bad to take orgo, you know. But when you're in the middle of college, for me, it was just like, "Ah, I can't focus and all that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, so that was my GPA. Uh, MCAT. uh, Again, crazy story. My highest practice score was a 508. Great. But yeah, test day. Again, I just say divine intervention. I I told my mom I'm moving the test. I said, Mom, I can't. Like I just knew 508. I knew I'd get into school, but I knew I wanted scholarships. I knew I wanted to be competitive. I knew I wanted to choose where I go to med school. Mm. Um, And I just fully didn't understand the process because I know people who have great stats and still have no idea if they get in or where they're going. But my mom said, you keep the test. It was about a week and a half out. She said, keep the test. I'm telling you, just keep the test. I said, "Okay, you know what? I just uh, really looked up a lot about mindset. I was just trying to really think about, um, I think, having more confidence. I feel like I took all these practice exams. My score is kind of the same the past three exams, like 507, 508. Um, But I think I just saw that a lot of students who saw large jumps in their scores were just about, I think, starting to actually believe in yourself and being healthy. Like, go work out. Take care of yourself. Those are the things that are going to help you on test day when you actually have, like, a clear mind and you've been rested. So I take the test. I left the test and said, "Okay, how high of an MCAT do you need to get into XYZ <laughs> school?" Because I just felt like I did worse. Like on the sections I should have killed. Like I got psych. It. I should have had a great score. I didn't do as well on psych. And like some of the sections, I like chem was a blur. I didn't even remember what I said. But in the end, got a five sixteen. And so, that was, <laughs> so you that was you
0: crazy. you go against i i always say i believe in miracles but not on mcat test yeah. day you're like i'll show you <laughs> that's awesome Yeah,
1: i figure you know what if i get like a 508 i'll i said i'll still send it in i was like yeah. you know i got experience 507 508 i'll send it in 510 was my goal i said 510 that's where i want to be at it's beautiful but again i mean here we are now so after that it was like oh yeah I went ahead and changed my school list. I was like, let me fix that. Let me add some of these. And uh, okay. here we are now just are. after our whole season.
0: 20 invites, 18 acceptances. Sam, you're a rock star. I'm excited Thank to you. see where you go in the future. For the student mm-hmm. listening to this, who is lacking that mindset, lacking mm-hmm. the mentorship, uh, and is in the middle of their their self-doubt cycle, what do you yeah. what do you say to them to keep them motivated?
1: I would say, first and foremost, stop, pause, go talk to somebody you love, friends, family, go do something fun. Like, I think that's what you have to do. Get away from pre-med for a second. Imagine your life just as a person, not just as a pre-med, not just as a med student. Give yourself a, just like a day or two just to do something fun. And when you come back, you make a list of different mentors or cl- colleagues you can just reach out to who've either been through what you're going through. Uh, maybe they've already you know completed residency and they're already attending. Maybe a, a short list. Then I would say um, make a list of just supporters in your corner, you know, friends and family. But then I think also that last part is go. I say go explore. If you've never worked in the clinical a clinical setting, please go do that or go shadow or do something because you can't really pre- like talk about something you never really experienced. I think effectively. Um, in addition, like volunteer, serve, go get some life experience. Those things I think just re- people and those experiences reminded me why I was doing what I was doing. And my stories were real. They weren't just made up stories about something a long time ago that really didn't have much meaning to me. Um, and I think also it's, it's OK to, um, I think, face some failure. Then I think, OK, go do a post back if your GPA is not good enough, if you can afford to. Um, you know, there's programs, there's a special like degrees and things like that. I feel like all those things matter. Um, and if you have the resources and the time, I would say be patient because um, med school is not going anywhere. Uh, it's a long journey. And in my opinion, the students who are usually the most confident on interview day and the most successful are the ones who've taken the time to realize their weaknesses and their uh, strengths and then use them to their advantage. Because if I just applied to med school when I thought I wanted to be a doctor like that, let's say in the next year, oh, it would I wouldn't be on this podcast. So I think the ability to recognize like what I needed and be honest with
0: myself changed the whole experience. Yeah. All right, there you have it again, Sam, 18 acceptances. Once he figured it out, he went and lived his dream. Sam is the perfect example of someone who I I talk about all the time, just go do what you want to do and the med schools will appreciate that. Some med schools will appreciate that. Not every school, (laughs) although Sam's application seemed like most schools really, really liked his story and what he was doing. So hopefully this was helpful. Not many of you are going to get 18 acceptances, so don't make that your goal. Obviously, we all want to get into at least one medical school. That is the ultimate goal for all of you listening. Hopefully, this gave you some encouragement that you can do it. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years.